There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul on a Friday afternoon here in a rather warm Johannesburg as you prepare for another beautiful Shabbos Kodesh, Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Ki Savoy. We're getting very, very close to Rosh Hashanah and a very warm welcome to all of our radio family taking the time, whether you're in your kitchen, whether you're on the road, whether you're still in the office, I hope not, but uh, to come and listen, come join us, come spend a few minutes getting our minds and our psyche in, in tone with Shabbos Kodesh as it comes. As I say, this week we're actually, um, Moetze Shabbos, we're going to start saying Slichot. We're going to do the midnight service of Slichot, or some people do it in the morning, but we're definitely, if you haven't kind of gotten, gotten the vibe yet that Rosh Hashanah is coming, this is definitely an indication that it certainly, that it certainly is as we begin saying Slichot, unless of course your Esfardi, in which case you've been doing it the whole month and it's nothing new, it's just another day of getting up early next week, etc., and carrying on as you prepare for, 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 for Yontif. But it's really special, it's really great to, to be with you again. Baruch Hashem to have the opportunity. Once again, I apologize for the slightly, quite moderately, very croaky voice, but, uh, we'll push on and we do it anyway because it's important. It's important to do it. This week we said is Pashas Shabbos, Pashas Ki Savai, the penultimate Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. And the very first thing we encounter when we come into this week's Pasha is the Pasha of, uh, of, of Bikurim. And it's a very interesting comment by Rav Nachem Zemba Hashem Yinkam who brings in the name of the Ariya Kaddish that the mitzvah of Bikurim, the mitzvah of bringing our first fruits and giving it to the Koyin and, and performing the whole ceremony and, and, and rite and, 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 and declaration that is said with, with the Bikurim is meant to be a, a rectification, is meant to be a, a tikkun for the sin of the Miraglim, for the sin of the, of the, of the spies. He, he draws an, an allusion to this from a, a mission in the beginning, uh, uh, in the beginning of the third parak, sorry, of Mesechus Bikurim, that uh, explains the process of how the Bikurim were were selected, where it says that a a uh, a person says the first ripe figs or the first ripe pomegranates and grapes must be tied with a a reed to indicate that they have been they have been selected and we know that yes that the bikurim only applied to the shiva saminim to the seven species that of which eretz israel is is blessed but uh, the why does the torah only mention pomegranates and grapes and uh and all and uh what's it called and pomegranate yeah why, why those three? Why doesn't it mention also the, the, the olives and, and the dates? Why just the figs, pomegranates and, and grapes? So he says, because if one looks in the Torah in Pasha's Shlach, where it describes the incident of, of the spies and, uh, them going to Israel and what they brought back, they specifically brought back 
grapes. It's a whole discussion of how many of the spies carried grapes and how they managed to configure it. And they brought back a, a, a rimon, a pomegranate, and, and a fig. And therefore, if that's what specifically the Mishnah highlights as the things that you need to, uh, that you need to, to bring, then there must be some, some correlation with those particular with those particular uh, uh, fruits, and and they're speaking of of lashon hara about uh, eretz yisrael. So somehow this this parallel conveys to us that the bikurim is a kind of a tikkun for the muraglim sin for the muraglim schet. And and the obvious question is how how do they connect? How does bikurim in fact connect to the to the shortcoming to the to yavera of 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 the muraglim? So. We know there are many explanations for what and why the Miraglim did what what they did. We know the Zohar Kaddish explains that the Miraglim had a, uh, a kind of a driving self-interest which motivated them to talk bad about Baal because they were they were tremendously great people, and they saw in Baruch Hakodesh that when Klai Yisrael enters. Eretz Yisrael. So, although in the Midbar they had their positions of greatness, they were the Nassim, they were the princes of the tribes. When they came to Eretz Yisrael, they were going to lose their positions of, of, of prestige, of importance, and others would, would, uh, would, uh, would replace them. And, and this was, you know, a catastrophe. Because, you know, you're, you're in government, so you have a, a winter home and a summer home, and you have a fleet of, of cars and you have trips laid on and all sorts of wonderful, wonderful places and, and, and to lose that is, is serious to become, go back to being sort of just private citizen number one. You actually have to spend your own money on, on, on your shopping is, uh, is a bit devastating. <coughs> Therefore, the Lush and Hara they spoke about Eretz Yisrael came about because they somehow felt an entitlement. To be able to keep their jobs, to be able to keep their positions, even in Eretz Yisrael, they they forgot for a moment that what they had was given to them by Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Their positions in the first place were a gift from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and if a gift, Hashem can take it away whenever, when, whenever, and wherever He sees uh, He sees fit. And Rashi brings that out in in the beginning of of of, of the Pasha. You know, they they. Uh, they tell a story about a certain, certain non, non-religious Jew who kept being told and kept, uh, 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 kind of being warned that if he continued to keep his, his business open on, on, on Shabbos, so not only wouldn't he make any money, but whatever money he made and in fact all his other money, all his other fortune would be taken, would be taken away. Being, being quite skeptical about this, but yet, you know, not wanting to make sure he didn't hedge his bets. So he went out and, and took out all sorts of, uh, insurance policies on any kind of hedge, on any kind of business venture it might be, so that even if, you know, God, uh, even if all the money was taken away, so in the insurance he'd end up with more than he ever, than he ever started, and he felt, ha! I've beaten the system. Now there's no way Akarish Baruch can take my money away from me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorted. I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteed. I've, I've, I've outsmarted Hashem. 
until his friend pointed out to him, yeah, that's, you know, you've, you're a very clever guy and you've really, really ensured that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't take your, your, your money away from you. But have you ever considered the option that there's another way HaKashem could go about it? And that would be to take you away from your, your money. You know, that would be another way of sorting out, out the problem. There's nothing, there's nothing that we, that we, uh, deserve. The Bikurim are in fact the opposite of the, the, this shortcoming of the, of the Muratlam. Bikurim is what is, is a mitzvah of Hakara Satayv to Hakadish Baruchu. The person, the farmer, who brings his first fruits to Yerushalayim is well aware that whatever success he has managed, he has, he has ma- managed in his agricultural ventures is a miracle brought about by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. One would think that by obligating the, the owner and the farmer to, to wait, to control, to restrain himself from yeah, you, know, you work on something, the greatest craving, I want to taste, I want to, I want to see what it's like, I want to, uh, I want to enjoy it. But to put that off and, and make him first go to your slime and bring it, bring it to the coin, you might think that that's something that is, that's really, really impossible. Yet that is expected from every single year in this, in this kind of scenario that he has to overcome. His own feelings of entitlement, you're not entitled to anything of which he kind of thinks he deserves to eat from the fruit that he puts so much time and so much effort and so much, and so much love into, right? And, 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 and this power that a person has to control his, his deep, deep desires comes from the realization that the reality is, the truth is, Hashem does everything from beginning to end, and uh, you know all all we have. Hashem leaves one thing to us, and that, of course, is our our power to make decisions. To to we have free choice. We can choose. We can choose good or evil. But that really is the only area where Hakadosh Baruch Hu allows us to be to be to be active. And and the person who brings the Bikurim demonstrates loud and clear that he doesn't possess the license nor the right to demand these these first fruits, but rather it's driven by a, a deep feelings of, of Akar Satoiv to the Rabbanishlam for making the special gift of, of, of Chesed available from his own vineyard and in his own field and he now comes to Shlaim and, and thanks Hashem and, and, and declares his his thank you for that. And and with this with this understanding so we now understand why it is that Bikurim can be a tikkun for, for the Muraglim. The spies felt entitled for their positions and, and therefore they did what they felt they had to do to, to keep those positions, even if it meant speaking badly about, about Eretz Israel. Well, and that's in contrast to, to Bikurim that teaches a person humility, that teaches which is of course, Nali, he was the, the Adain Alam, and, and that all existence belongs to and stems from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and with this, perhaps, you can, you can even begin to explain the Sifri on the first Pasuk of, uh, of our Pasha, that B'schus in the merit of, of Bikurim, you will land, you will enter 
the land of Israel, even though, of course, they weren't going to bring Bikurim until they were in Eretz So it's not going to be in the schus, but it means that in the schus of being mekabel upon yourself, of accepting upon yourself this ideal that we understand that nothing, yeah, if you accept the, the, the mitzvah of, of Bikurim upon yourselves, that, that, uh, you have nothing and it all comes from Hashem, that will be a tikkun for the, for the, uh, for the sin of the Muratim, which prevented Klaisha for being able to go into, into, uh, into, into Eretz Yisrael. And, and, you know, as we stand on the, on the threshold of Rosh Hashanah, the, the proper mindset that we have to have as we enter Rosh Hashanah is that of realizing that Hashem owes us nothing. Even though we think that we've done so much this year and what a great year it is and compared to last Rosh Hashanah, we really, we've risen in our level of, 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 uh, of, of spirituality. What one, as, as Chazal say, one has to realize that he's standing like he's a poor person and I'm coming, the fact that he's stuck and I'm coming in and knocking on, on your door. We have, we have nothing. And, and we're begging to our Kodesh Baruch Hu for, for, for sustenance and for him to be able to, to, uh, to look after us. And, and this, this concept is, is, uh, Rabbi Yitzchak in, in, in the Gemara, in Rosh Hashanah, who says that every year at the beginning there is poverty. So later on in the year it becomes, becomes enriched at the, at, at the end of the year. And, and the, the, uh, Rashi and Toysus both explain what does it mean the poverty at the beginning of the year, that's in fact referring to people who daven in the form of tachanunim, of supplication, with a broken, with a broken heart. And, and when a person is able to daven with a, with a lave shover, with a break, a broken heart, this triggers that the mercy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu will mamish be bestowed upon them. A, a poor person with a broken heart and, and spirit doesn't feel entitlement doesn't feel he deserves anything. In fact, the words tachanunim comes from the word chen and the word chinam, which means that everything is, is, is free, everything is, we're undeserving of it. And then, and the, the, the goin brings the pasuk in Mishlei, tachanunim yedaber rosh, that during tefillah, one has to view himself as a poor person, especially during Nasei's Mechuvah, we're asked to, to call out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? Dishu Hashem B'yamotzei, call out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu when he's so, when he's so, uh, when he's so close, close to us. But then it says that Korav Hashem the Nishpre Lev Hashem is close to those that have a broken, a broken heart with, with supplication. And if this, if this kind of condition is fulfilled, then the Torah promises that at the end of the year, Bez Hashem one's going to be enriched both in one's physical well-being and in one's spiritual well-being. We'll come back with a closing word in our segment on Hilchus Yontif in a moment. This is 11.9 Chai FM, soul to soul on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 
101.9 Haifa, and this is Soul to Soul on Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg, South Africa. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being us. As we always do at this point in the broadcast, just to give you the important details you need to know for this Shabbos candle lighting this afternoon is no later than 5.45, quarter to 6 in the afternoon. you got to have them on by then, but as always... Make an effort. Let's try to get it early. Let's try to get a few minutes so we can extend the beauty and extend the, the time we have with the Shabbos Malka, with the Shabbos Queen. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 6.34, 26 minutes before 7 o'clock. As I said, we will start either tomorrow night or early Sunday morning the recitation of Slechot. Of you have a relatively long block this week, what with Yontav being only Monday uh, a week. We get a whole week uh, of Slichot plus a day before before Yom Tov even, even starts. But that's really just an opportunity to get our minds and our psyche into line with the coming, the coming, uh, the coming Chag. As I say, it is the penultimate Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah and therefore the Haftarah of this week is the Haftarah for Pashas Kisave Kumi Oiri Kiva Oirech, a beautiful, beautiful Haftarah of optimism, of upbeat, of, of, of beautiful, beautiful prophecies from the Navi, from the Navi Yeshaya. So just to amplify the, the concept we were talking about before, perhaps the Shoifer itself is very much an idea of, of how a person has to go into, into Rosh Hashanah, where of course we start with the Tkia, we start with this long, whole sound symbolizing someone who who believes he's complete and believes he's achieved and believes he's on a he's on a really, really good good wicket. But then we proceed and we and we break that up and we do the shever, the the, the which means the broken and the true the the crying sound, which is the reality that if a person really wants to grow before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then, then the way to do it is to, to understand that we have nothing, that's, that we are broken people. We don't have a right to be on this earth. We don't have any long-term lease. Every single year is a new opportunity, is a, is a new, we have to renegotiate our, our, uh, our, our existence. And we don't, we don't deserve anything. Isn't it fascinating, by the way, that whenever you have a word D in front of a word, it means that something is not there. A dehumidifier takes away the 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 uh, the um, uh, you know, the humidity to debilitate takes away one's one's uh, one's uh, ability. So to deserve to think that somehow we deserve something perhaps really takes away from what the service of Hakadosh Baruch Hu is supposed to be, which is that we are actually broken people with nothing and we stand in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu like a poor person who stands and knocks on the door asking, begging, supplicating. In fact, just, just to end, just to play a little game with words, you know, there are two words, one in Lashna Kodesh and one in Yiddish that are very, very similar. In Lashna Kodesh you have a word Efes, which really means not, zero, nothing. And in Yiddish there's a word Epis which is exactly the opposite, which is something. And perhaps the understanding is that in order for a person to be an epist, if you want to really be something, you want to be something that counts and matters in this world, one has to actually make himself into an epist, consider himself nothing lowly, and then he deserves all the brachas, all the benefaction from, from HaKadosh Baruch. We're learning the laws of Yom Tov, and 
We said last week the concept that while certain malachas are allowed on, on Yom Tov, they're only allowed for the purpose of Yom Tov itself. All these malachas that we allowed, the ones we listed in, in the previous shurim that are allowed on, on Yom Tov, they're only allowed to be done in, in ways and, and in uh, quantities that are necessary for Yom Tov. But to do something on Yom Tov for the subsequent weekday or even Chalamoyed is not is not permitted from the Torah. You cannot do anything on Yontif to prepare for Yontif. Therefore, if you are cooking, let's say on the second afternoon, and it's ready in the afternoon, and it's near towards the end of, of Yontif, in such a way that the the food that you're cooking is not going to be edible until Yontif is over, so you are you are violating a Torah prohibition by doing that cooking on Yom Tov, since you're basically cooking on Yom Tov for for the for the weekday. If it will be edible, still on Yom Tov itself, then you haven't uh, violated a Torah prohibition because let's say the Torah says if at uh, an hour before Yom Tov is over, guests hungry guests would come and would want something to eat, you'd be able to feed them that food. So therefore, you're, there's no certainty that what I'm actually cooking is is uh, for after Yontif. You might still need it on, on Yontif it, uh, itself. But since your intention was, if your intention was to cook for the for the uh, for the weekday, so you're still violating a, a rabbinic a, a rabbinic iser by by uh, by doing that. Similarly. Generally speaking, to prepare from Shabbos to a subs, to, sorry, to prepare from Yontif to a subsequent Shabbos is also forbidden. And, and it's only through the making of an Eruv, uh, of Tavshilin, then Chazal allowed us to cook from Yontif to, to Shabbos. As, as, uh, we might discuss, obviously it's not relevant for this set of Yom Tovim, so we'll leave that for a future uh, a unit of, of Shirim on, uh, on, uh, on Yantav. And the truth is, even those things that don't require an actual malacha, an actual creative activity, but are just something that's a bother, let's say, uh, setting up, uh, tables and, and, and washing uh, dishes. So again, you're not allowed to do that on Shabbos for weekday, uh, I'm sorry, on Yantav for weekday or for a subsequent, for a subsequent, uh, 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 Shabbos. Uh, if you want to, uh, prepare things, things that are needed for a, a meal, so then what you can do, you can cook a little bit extra. You're cooking a dish, you can add a little bit more, so that you can be sure that you're not gonna be short. You know, people sometimes, some people might be, uh, might be hungry, and they might wanna have more, and then if there's some left over, so that I could eat the next the next day, but I cannot uh, 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 sort of add extra, knowing that I'm not going to use it, but simply to have for for the next day, because that is that is considered that is considered uh, preparing. We'll be back in a moment. We have uh, some adverts to take, and then we'll be back with our broadcast. This is Soul to Soul on the greatest radio station in Africa at 101.9. Don't run away. <laughs> There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 
101.9 we're back on your radio with our last segment so we're talking about preparing extra food for Shabbos for, for Yom Tov because you might need it later so let's say you want you want a cup of coffee so you have no hot water so you want to put up some water on an existing flame in order to to have even just one cup of coffee so Allah says I'm allowed to fill even a large pot of water so that I can have my cup of coffee even though some of the water will be left over for for the uh, the evening. And similarly, if I'm going to cook some food, which I do need and do want for Yontav, I'm allowed to fill up a pot. And uh, even though I know there will be some food left over after Shabbos. Why? Because since I'm putting the pot on the fire at once, so there's no, the fact that I'm adding more food to it, there's no prohibition to that. But you should be careful not to say, well, I'm, I'm putting in more food because I want to have it for food. For that, that should be, a, you know, it can be in your mind, but it shouldn't be something you say explicitly. Once you've put the pot on the fire, you're not allowed to add anything else which I might need, for, not for a yontif, yontif itself. Uh, let's say a kind of a food where the more food you put in the pot, the better it is for everything that you're, that you're cooking. Let's say some meat and fish, sometimes having more is, is better, that the, the, ta- the, the, the taste is, is better in a situation where, where there's more, more food in the pot. So then you're allowed to add even extra fish or extra, uh, uh, uh meat, even if it's already on the, uh, on, on the fire because that's really just that adds to in, to help the the test even though your main intention is that all that extra stuff is going to be eaten after Yom Tov on uh, on uh, on weekday you're still allowed to add them because practically speaking you your intention also is that what it the amount that you are cooking for Yom Tov should be enhanced should have its taste made better by the fact that there's extra food extra food uh in uh, in 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 there um right amongst the regulations about cooking on on uh, on yontif is that all the malachas that our rabbis permitted on yontif they allowed for the mitzvah of of simchas yontif of the of the joy of yontif and therefore you're allowed to cook for other Jews who will appreciate and enjoy the Simchas Yantav because they also have an obligation to, to rejoice on Yantav. However, one's not allowed to cook either for non-Jews or for animals where there's no mitzvah to rejoice on Yantav. In fact, the Pasuk says, That which is needed for food consumption. You can do it for you and and the more learns for you and not for and not for non for non Jews for you and not for for animals and therefore Chazal said that you're allowed to invite uh, non Jews to a, a a meal on Shabbos because on Shabbos well, we're not worried that you're going to cook it's forbidden totally to cook on on Shabbos but it is forbidden to invite non Jews to a meal. On Yontif, maybe you're going to cook extra for, for, uh, for them. And if a non-Jew invites at your house without, 
without being invited. He just uh, kind of pitches pitches up. So if he arrives after they've you've already finished uh, preparing all the all the foods, you can invite him to join the meal because once you've all cooked, we're not worried that you're going to start cooking for for him, even if he's an important person. Because since he arrived without invitation, so he wasn't in your plans, you're not going to do extra, and and you've already finished all the all the uh, all the all the all the uh, uh, preparation. But you mustn't. You mustn't urge him. You mustn't push him to come join. If you want, so you can allow him to come, but don't, don't, uh, don't urge him to come because then you might feel the need to, to, uh, add to him. And that's, and that's, that's a serious, that's a serious, uh, issue. There's a little bit more to say about that. Sometimes it's, it's an issue that, that, uh, needs clarification. But, uh, the clock says it's time for us to get on our merry way and make way for the news and make way for all the other amazing stuff that we'll have on High FM until Shabbos comes. And just to end off again, uh, reminding you that Soul to Soul is on the air every Monday to Friday between 1 and 3. Great Torah, great Chizuk, great, especially this week for Shoshana. Lots of stuff to learn and be inspired by. So just to thank you all for joining us and being part of the radio family this week and every week. Please, I love to hear your comments. I love to hear your your input. Keep letting us know whether you're happy, you're sad about what we're doing on the radio, and just to wish each of you on the most amazing, amazing Shabbos together. This second to the last Shabbos of of the year. Make it count. Make it good. Make it a quality Shabbos of of time together, of of Torah learning, of of zmirot, of everything great, and to wish each and every one of you a beautiful Shabbat Shalom.